Hi, it's Michael Sinoff with Michael Sinoff's HardToFindSeminars.com. The title of this interview is called The Cancer Conspiracy, What Your Doctors Don't Want You to Know. A cancer diagnosis can instill fear in the heart of even the bravest person. There's so many different types of cancer and so many known and potential causes of the disease. What then should you do if you receive a cancer diagnosis? Shouldn't you follow your oncologist's instruction? Suzanne Summers, health writer and author of the book Knockout says maybe not. Even though this is probably the scariest time in your life and you may feel like you do not have a moment to spare, it's important for you to realize you do have a choice about how to treat your cancer. Suzanne Summers fought cancer over 10 years ago and walked away victorious. She moved on and left it all behind her until a bizarre incident brought cancer back to the forefront of her mind. And in this interview, Suzanne Summers will reveal the shocking things she learned about cancer treatment. Here's what you'll learn in this interview. You'll learn how a medical nightmare led Suzanne Summers to discover the shocking truth about cancer treatments. You'll learn new information about cancer treatments that your doctors don't want you to know. You'll learn successful cancer cures that most people don't know about. You'll learn chemotherapy myths that are exposed. You'll learn about amazing new advances in cancer treatment, and you'll learn about the empowering news from cancer patients. According to Suzanne Summers, you do have a choice. Regardless of which treatment you decide to take, you can choose to educate yourself about your options before making a decision. When you listen to this interview, you'll learn from Suzanne Summers how you can make an informed decision regarding your cancer treatment, but you'll also learn why Suzanne Summers is no longer afraid of being diagnosed with cancer again. This interview is under 30 minutes, and I hope it can help you or someone you know. Now let's get going. Hi, this is Chris Costello, and I've teamed up with Michael Senoff to bring you the world's best wellness-related interviews. So if you know anyone struggling with their weight, with cancer, diabetes, ADHD, autism, heart disease, or other health challenges, please send them to michaelsenoffshardtofindseminars.com. Our guest today is Suzanne Summers. Suzanne, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. So, Suzanne, back in November of 08, you had just an incredibly traumatic experience, and it sounds like this book, Knockout, was partly the result of that. What happened in November? Well, you're right. This book is an outcropping of this experience. I never would have written a book on cancer, even though I had cancer almost 10 years ago. I always felt that I was done with that. I had it. I got rid of it, and I moved on. But what's interesting is that because I'm a health writer, I had my natural killer cells tested, which is how to test for the strength of your immune system. About a month before this experience, my doctor said, wow, you're at 43. And I said, well, I have no frame of reference. He said, well, usually people your age have immune systems that are somewhere around two or three. So I was at 43. That's an uber immune system. So what happened to me that my immune system was knocked out in a matter of five minutes? I still do not know to this day. But all of a sudden, I was at a bar restaurant with my group. We had just come off the air, and I had a glass of Merlot and had a salad, and other people in my group had a glass of Merlot and salad, one glass. My glass was kind of behind me on a little cocktail table. I ate my salad on my lap, finished my salad, took a few more sips of the glass of Merlot and walked out of the restaurant. The moment I walked out of the restaurant, the room started spinning. I mean, spinning, and I became freezing cold. I went upstairs to my hotel room. I was so cold, I actually asked my husband if he would lie on top of me. And then I started breaking out in welts all over my body, in my ears, in my nose, on my scalp, neck. 
bottom of my feet, under my arm, everywhere. And my hands started swelling up, and then I started having a difficult time breathing. We flew home that night. I was freezing in the plane, couldn't get warm, couldn't breathe. I got home, thought about going to the hospital. We always minimized, and I thought, no, I need to get in my own bed. I've obviously got the flu or something. I had a fitful couple of hours. I called one of the doctors in my previous book, Breakthrough, and I got halfway through, and he said, stop, you're in danger. Get to the emergency room. Got to the emergency room. was pretty much out of breath. Felt like I was being strangled. That's the only way I can describe it. That was an anaphylactic shock. It's like there were hands around my neck, and I just couldn't get air. Emergency rooms are incredible, and they really saved my life. They banged me with Decadron. They put Albutrin and Oxygen on me and Benadryl to get the swelling down. You know, I started coming back to life, but I was still having trouble breathing. And they said, we have to do a CAT scan. And I thought, gosh, I've had a pharmaceutical drug in nine years, and the radiation scares me. I just don't like it, but something is seriously wrong, so I had the CAT scan. After the CAT scan, the doctor comes into the ER room, and I'm still on Oxygen, and he has a nurse with him, and they close the door. And I brought her with me because I hate what I have to say. You have a large mass on your lungs. It looks like the cancer is metastasizing to your liver. We don't know what's wrong with your liver. It's so enlarged. It's covering your entire abdomen. You have so many tumors in your chest, we can't count them. They all have masses in them. And you have a blood clot, and you have pneumonia. So we're going to check you into the hospital because the blood clot will kill you first. That began a nightmare, a nightmare that's not quite over yet. That must have just been incredible. And I know one of the things that you say in Knockout, one of the quotes, and it was very moving to read, was, I know now what it feels like to be dying. There was a beauty to this experience that changed me forever. And that really comes through in your book and what you've tried to do to help people find out what they can do to recover from cancer and, and to treat these terrifying conditions. While I was in the hospital, I was diagnosed by six different doctors with full-body cancer, and I was offered full-body chemotherapy as the antidote. And I looked at the oncologist, and I said, just so you know where I'm coming from, I'd rather die. I'm going to find another way, or if I'm going to die, I want to die with quality of life, with what I have left. Because I knew if you had lung cancer that had metastasized throughout your body, that you had very little time. So while I was in that valley of fear and seeing my death, I said to my husband one day, you know, I've been keeping a file on these doctors who are curing cancer. If I can get out of here, I want to go to Houston to Dr. Brzezinski, or I want to go to New York to go to Dr. Gonzalez or to Nevada to Dr. Forsythe. One of these doctors, I've been gathering information on them. So that is what gave me my hope. While all the doctors were telling me to get my things in order, that there was nothing they could do for me unless I wanted to take full-body chemotherapy, that there was no other treatment, I held on to the one little hope that maybe one of these doctors could help me. So after surgery, they cut open my neck and removed a piece of my lung and a piece of one of those so-called tumors and discovered I didn't have cancer at all. It was a fungus that is prevalent in the desert southwest called coccidiomycosis, and it's more popular name called valley fever, and it's in the top two layers of soil. So when the wind blows in our area, we're breathing it in, and most of us have this fungus in us lying dormant unless something jars your immune system. That's the missing piece of the puzzle. But it reads like cancer on a CAT scan, and I thought to myself, how many people are undergoing full-body chemotherapy for what is really valley fever, where they don't need that chemotherapy at all? So I started interviewing these doctors that I'd kept a file on, Dr. Brzezinski out of Houston, Dr. Gonzalez out of New York, Dr. Forsyth out of Nevada. I interviewed an Italian doctor. I interviewed Dr. Russell Blaylock, Dr. Wright, Dr. Gallister, Burton Goldberg, Ralph Moss, all these incredible scientists. What I found was if someone chooses chemotherapy, I interviewed the Scientific Advisory Board of Life Extension along with Bill Palloon, who's the editor of the magazine. 
And I said, if you're going to take standard care chemotherapy, what can you do so that it's not so harsh, so it's more effective? And they talk about that in the chapter. There's things you can buy over the counter like modified citrus pectin or cimetidine because when they found when they cut into tumors to remove them in surgery, that they actually create metastasis in many cases because that capsule around it is broken. And those rogue cells, you know, disseminate throughout the body. If you take modified citrus pectin and cimetidine, it lines the artery walls and the turbulence from the blood pushes these rogue cells out of your body, and they can't lodge in the artery walls and create metastasis in other parts of the body. And there are other great things you can do if you are taking standard of care. If you want to go integrative, which is use standard of care, chemotherapy, plus alternatives, then I would go to Dr. Forsyth in Nevada. He takes your blood when you come in. He sends it off to Germany for a chemosensitivity test. We should talk more about that. Did you know they exist? And while you're waiting for your sensitivity test to come back to see what chemo would be the right fit for you, he builds your body up with nutrition, with vitamin C, with glutathione, his intravenous nutrient program, so that by the time the chemo sensitivity comes back and says the correct chemo for that cancer, that body is so strong that he can give very, very low-dose chemotherapy uh, along with his nutritional support, and these patients are doing very well. Then there's Nick Gonzalez in New York, who if you have pancreatic cancer, you want to go to Nick Gonzalez. I called him the other day. I said, Dr. Gonzalez, can you give me 10 names of 10 patients with pancreatic cancer who've been following your protocol, stage four, and have been alive 10 years or longer? Half hour later, I get a list of 10 names with their patient's phone numbers. I call all of them, and they tell me these incredible stories. Plus, I have three of his pancreatic cancer patients in the book. He treats every kind of cancer, but nobody's having success with pancreatic cancer, especially nutritionally, and he is. So that's where I would go if I had pancreatic. Dr. Brzezinski out of Houston, really one day he will be known as the Louis Pasteur of our time. He has been indicted. The FDA has tried to put him in jail for 300 years. Same thing happened to Dr. Forsyth. They go after these doctors who dare to have another way because if they do have another way, it might affect the big business bottom line of the cancer industry, which is a $200 billion a year industry. Dr. Brzezinski has found that people with cancer are missing a certain peptide in their liver that controls cell multiplication and that if he puts that peptide back, the cancer goes away. He calls his peptide that he has replicated called antineoplasm. I have interviewed his patients with brain tumors. His phase two clinical trial, which he's just completed, phase two, in compliance with the FDA for his antineoplasm for the most virulent brain tumors, he's having a 60% success rate with tumors that are guaranteed death sentences in other people. I interviewed one of his little patients Six weeks ago, I was down in his clinic in Houston. I wanted to see it. And she was diagnosed at two and a half with lung cancer that metastasized to her liver. Her doctor said there's nothing you can do. Just enjoy what you have left. They took her to Houston to Dr. Brzezinski. She was so little, they put a little port in her and a backpack so that these antineoplasms could slowly drip into her body over a two-year period. I interviewed her six weeks ago. She's nine years old. She's all fidgety. She wanted to go out and play. I said, how do you feel? She's fine. Typical little girl. She's absolutely fine. Now, here's the thing. Are there any guarantees? Not one doctor can say it's 100%. Not one protocol can say it's 100%. But there's enough success with these people where they don't get degraded by horrible chemicals, and it's certainly something to look into. And knock up, my book will tell you all about it. And there are also, you got to know, in standard of care, there are definitely three kinds of cancer that do respond to chemotherapy. Testicular, like Lance Armstrong. Childhood leukemia, they're having great success. Adult leukemia with Gleevec, they're having success. Lymphomas and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Those are the cancers where they are having success. Now, 
with what I know, even though I would entertain having chemotherapy if I had one of those cancers. But I probably still, knowing what I know about Dr. Gonzalez or Forsyth or Brzezinski, I'd probably go the other way myself. But again, this is a personal choice, and it's not a judgment. It's not my concern what people choose. All I want to say to anyone who reads my book, Knockout, if you are one of the ones who is diagnosed within the next year, next year, cancer will be the biggest killer in the world. It's an absolute epidemic. So if it's not you, it's probably going to be somebody real close to you, a loved one, a brother, a sister, a mother, a child, a husband, or a wife. Don't you want to know if you are one of those people that there is another way? And if you read all about it, then at least when you make your decision, whatever that is, you will have made a very informed For more interviews on health, mind, body, and spirit, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. So if somebody's facing cancer, and I can only imagine it's very confusing when you're in that situation. It's terrifying. Horrible. What do they do? I mean, how do they make those decisions when they have somebody that's, you know, an oncologist that supposedly has all the tools, all the knowledge? How do you make those decisions? Well, both times I've been diagnosed, the second one being a serious misdiagnosis, but nonetheless, it was a diagnosis for six days. They don't give you any other options. Standard of care cancer protocol can only offer you surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, and harsh aftercare drugs. That's all they can offer you. Dr. Forsyth in Nevada, the reason he can give nutrients and vitamins to build up the body is that aside from being an oncologist, he went out and got his naturopathic and homeopathic licenses. So he understands all the nutritional buildup, all the alternative buildup. When a cancer patient comes to him, they usually go because they know he does integrative. But he's required by law to first offer standard of care. He'll say, okay, what I can do for you is surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, and aftercare drugs. When the patient says, that's not what I want, he writes on the chart, patient refused standard of care. He says, then I can get to work. That's when I send their blood off to Germany. These chemosensitivity tests, who knew they existed? I didn't know. And it makes me angry that people are getting chemotherapy now when the doctor doesn't know if this is the right fit. That's why so often it's not working. It's like they're throwing darts at people and keeping their fingers crossed. So if anything comes out of this book and you have cancer, you demand that you want a chemosensitivity test that makes sure that the chemo you're getting is the right chemo for your cancer. And I asked Ralph Moss, who is someone I interviewed in the book. He's a Ph.D. out of Stanford, a science writer who's writing several books. His last book is called Questioning Chemotherapy. I said, why aren't they automatically giving chemosensitivity tests to every single cancer patient who takes chemotherapy? And he said, okay, so I'm just the messenger here. He said, the reason is too much work. I said, what do you mean it's too much work? He said, well, you've got to line up all these many, many, many Petri dishes. You've got to put blood in every one of those Petri dishes. And then you've got to start with every possible configuration of that chemical with each Petri dish to see where it comes up as a fit. He said, with a half a million people diagnosed every year with cancer, and next year it'll be two and a half million people worldwide will be diagnosed just with lung, liver, and prostate cancers, he said, it's too much work. And I said, well, isn't that something? That kind of makes me mad. So if I were going to have chemotherapy, I would demand it. And so how many of these alternative practitioners are there? Do you know? Well, this is all I could find first time around. See, these doctors who are on to something else, they're afraid. If they tried to put Dr. Brzezinski in jail and they tried to put Dr. Forsyth in jail, they came to his house with a battering ram and black jackets and threw him on the floor at 8 o'clock in the morning in handcuffs and a gun to his forehead, threw his wife on the floor and put their foot on her back so she couldn't get up because he prescribed human growth hormones to a patient that when he finally went to trial, it was proven that the patient to whom he prescribed it actually had a human growth hormone deficiency. So he 
he was acquitted, but you can indict a ham sandwich. You try being indicted and then try to get people to not remember that about you. An indictment, it makes you guilty. So if I had a brain tumor, I would go to Dr. Brzezinski. If I had lung, liver, prostate, breast, I would go to Dr. Brzezinski. If I had bone, if I had multiple myeloma, if I had blood cancer, I'd go to Dr. Forsythe. You know, what writing Knockout did for me was take away my fear of cancer. I don't plan on getting it again, but if I do, I know depending on what cancer, what doctor I'd go to, what protocol I would utilize. I myself would not take chemotherapy, but that's a personal decision, and it doesn't mean that chemotherapy doesn't work. When it works, it works great. Even though it's harsh, it works. It sounds like there's several specific cancers that chemo does work for. Now, what about, I know in Knockout, you mentioned that the New York Times article mentioned that the cancer death rates have only dropped 5% from 1950 to 2005? Yes. What other medical technology would you continue to access with such dismal outcomes? When I was on Larry King, the head of the National Cancer Society said to me, you know what I'm afraid of by your being out there talking about this, Suzanne, that many people are not going to get the treatment they need because of what you're saying. I said, you tell me, Dr. Brawley, you tell me if you can guarantee me success outside of these three cancers that I mentioned, causal leukemia, lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's, and testicular. On these other cancers, can you guarantee that your chemotherapy is going to cure my cancer? They can't say it because they know it doesn't. They can say the tumor will respond. They will say the tumor will shrink. But you know what they call success in the chemotherapy world? They call it surrogate endpoints. That means if they give the patient chemotherapy, the tumor shrinks by 50% in four weeks. They call that a complete response. If that same patient dies in week five, they still call it a complete response. We're getting kind of skewed information. I'm not trying to take on the cancer industry, believe me. I'm one little teeny person here, but it is a protocol that bankrupts families. It costs about a half million dollars to die of chemotherapy, which is fine if you're going to live. We all would hawk everything we had, go into debt for our loved one if it cost that, but we were going to be assured of a positive outcome. But we're watching it over and over and over again. These horrible, degraded and expensive and traumatic on the family, traumatic on the patient. Usually the patient ends up dying anyway. And I'm out here trying to say, I found some doctors who seem to have a better way. Why don't you at least look into them? I said to Dr. Brzezinski, are you ready? Because after knockout comes out with cancer being the epidemic, what if you start getting thousands of calls a day that I am ready, I have geared up, that I've been waiting all my life. And I've been down there. I toured his clinics. I wanted to make sure he would be ready. I've toured his chemistry labs where he has huge vats where he's making the anti-neoplastins. And the fact that he has completed phase two clinical trials, I don't know of any oncologist, any pharmaceutical company, anybody out there who has achieved so much. Never. All of my doctors, each one of them said it independent of the other, and I asked them to repeat it. We in the oncology world know, absolutely know, that chemotherapy does nothing whatsoever for pancreatic cancer. So just like with brain tumors, I said to each doctor that, why? Would they give it? And they all said the same thing. It's palliative, meaning that it makes the patient feel like something's being done, makes the family feel like something's being done. And one gentleman said to me, and I have to say, there's big money in it. So I think we, the patients, we, the lay people, have to get mad as hell and demand something different and demand that the FDA allow these alternative doctors, anybody who has another idea, to surface and not be persecuted and try to put them in jail. I mean, this is the United States of America. It's not right. The war on cancer is a dismal failure. And here are doctors who are succeeding. Again, no guarantees. Nobody's got it 100%.
With the doctors you interviewed, Dr. Blaylock, Dr. Gonzalez, Brzezinski, uh-huh. they had success not with just several people, but you're talking thousands of people, right? Dr. Brzezinski, he had an anniversary party of all his cured patients, and they had to get the biggest ballroom at the biggest hotel in Houston to fill the patients and their families. I mean, one day we will be ashamed that we allowed the government to try to put this man in jail. It's like that Schopenhauer quote, the three stages of truth. First is ridicule. Second is violently opposed, and third is accepted as self-evident. And I think right now, relative to alternative anything, relative to cancer, there's violent opposition. You watch what will happen to me over these next weeks when I'm promoting this. They're going to attack me just like they did on these bioidentical hormones. But I'm at a point in my life where I have a louder voice. I know this sounds strange. Why being forced to see my death? And I only can say that I think it happened to me for a reason. I feel the presence of God in this project. And this whole episode, I think I'm being guided with this information now. I don't mean that in any kind of woo-woo way. It's just doctors can't say what I'm saying. They'll lose their licenses. So they're doing this tremendous work, and they have to keep their mouth shut. So I speak for them. Everything I say is not me. It's according to the different doctors. I gather information. Sounds like you've seen the terrible tragedy of having this information and having it be so powerful, and yet, you know, obviously having it be so difficult to get out to the patient, to the person that really needs it. So difficult because when you're diagnosed, they usually want to start it right away. What they wanted to do with me in November was start me on full body chemotherapy that very day. And my friend Barry Manlow, who was in the hospital with me, said, I would have taken the treatment when all these doctors said that this is the only thing do is that I would have taken the treatment. So in the two times I've been diagnosed, no one has ever said to me, we have standard of care, or that doesn't appeal to you, you could try X. I'm trying mm-hmm. to get them to say, there's also an alternative way. What appeals most to you? The reason they're not offering alternatives is usually it's non-patentable. There's no money to be made. Oh. never hear anybody speaking badly about the state of cancer treatment today. They're always marching. They're always, we've got to find a cure. Obviously, if the pharmaceutical companies who have a vested interest in finding a cure haven't found it in 55 years, then maybe we ought to look outside of the present box that we're looking at. And that's what these doctors in knockout have done. I'm sure over the next year that more and more doctors will come out of the woodwork and contact me. My publisher said, what book do you want to write next? I said, I gave them the idea for what I want to write next. I said, right after that, I know there's going to be a follow-up to knockout, and I know doctors are going to come out of the woodwork who are having success. These are just the most courageous ones. Why would it require courageousness to treat a patient in a way that's effective? Thank you. Right. Why? What's going on? And it doesn't matter to me what the treatment is. One of the doctors, Dr. Gonzalez, his treatment is nutritional. He puts them on organic food, never can have another chemical again. No more sugar ever because sugar is the fuel of cancer. The only thing cancer wants is sugar. And he does liver and gallbladder flushes to detox their liver and gallbladder by drinking olive oil. He has them do coffee enemas. People like to make fun of him. I go, he seems to be having success. So if coffee enemas do it, it doesn't matter to me what the treatment, what the root is. Just get rid of the cancer. If it's working, why are we laughing at it? I find this all very hopeful. I hope anyone who's listening is not walking away that I'm angry. I am hopeful. I feel uplifted. I'm not afraid of cancer anymore because of what I know from having written this book. And I hope that that's what this interview will do for anyone listening, that they will say, all right, all right, I see some light.
because I do, and see what they're doing. And then perhaps call them, meet with them, go to the conferences that these doctors all attend, like ACAM, the American Academy for the Advancement of Medicine, or A4M, and sit and listen to what the cutting-edge alternative doctors are doing. If I was a doctor and I had a protocol that had such dismal results, I would do anything I could to learn a better way. And so that's what I hope will happen. I'm sure oncologists across the board are going to hate me. I respect and admire doctors, and this is what they were taught in medical school, and they were taught to administer these poisons. And I know it's a lot of schooling and a lot of years, and if that isn't the route to the cure to cancer, then what did they learn that for? So that's why they're fighting it so violently. But at least be open to the doctors who have found another way. And I hope that your listening audience has walked away knowing something they didn't know before. I don't want anybody to sit in that room being diagnosed and feel so helpless like I did. Well, I'm sure it's going to make a tremendous difference in how cancer patients can recover. And thank you so much, Suzanne Summers, for joining us. Thanks. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's the end of our interview, and I hope you've enjoyed it. For more great health-related interviews, go to Michael Senoff's hardtofindseminars.com. That's the end of our interview with Suzanne Summers. For more great interviews on health and wellness, go to hardtofindseminars.com. Thanks for listening.